This week on Priority One, we check out Star Trek Discovery's new hardware, Saturn Awards, and an Emmy. Then we hear what the CBS Chief Creative Officer has planned for Star Trek, Michael Doran's Picard future, and a Patrick Stewart deepfake. In Star Trek Gaming, we deep dive Star Trek Online's latest release, Awakening, and Looney Lab's newest board game, Chrono Trek. We wrap it all up by hearing from you. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains! You're listening to episode 430 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report for all major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, September 17th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, September 20th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Anthony. And I'm Kat. Well, Captains, as you may have heard, Elijah's not with us this week. He is off on his mycelial nerd world tour. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. We also encourage you to voice your opinions and give us feedback. Just use the voice memo feature from your mobile device and feel free to send that to us via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Maintaining these features would not be possible without the support of our patrons. Listeners like you who support the ongoing production of this show by offering a financial contribution each month. This month, we welcome two new patrons, Steve and Britt. Thank you for your support. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One Pod and check out how you can become an admiral in the Priority One Podcast listener fleet. Giving up your hard-earned money to a podcast is a big ask, and we completely understand that. So, there are other ways that you can help. One of the best ways you can show your support for this podcast is to share it. We want to start seeing our ad handles mentioned each week by you. So be sure to share our show with your friends. Tell them that they can stay up to speed with the latest news from gaming, TV, film, literature, and more right here on Priority One Podcast. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jordan, please. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. On Friday, September 13th, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films hosted its 45th Saturn Award. The awards, which live-streamed on several platforms, including Twitch and Pluto, honor the best in science fiction, fantasy, and horror on television and in films. This year, Star Trek Discovery racked up an impressive five nominations in three categories. More impressive than that, they swept all three categories. 
Discovery's sophomore season took home the Saturn for best streaming science fiction, action, and fantasy series, beating out impressive competition including Black Mirror, The Expanse, and Russian Doll. Sonequa Martin-Green earned the Saturn for Best Actress in a Streaming Presentation, and Doug Jones beat out co-stars Wilson Cruz and Ethan Peck for the Best Supporting Actor in a Streaming Series Award. Exciting news, right? Well, that's not all. The 71st Emmys kicked off their own awards on Saturday, September 14th, honoring the Creative Arts teams. Guess who won? Well, sure. Game of Thrones won a few, but we are talking about Star Trek Discovery. The makeup effects and prosthetics team took home the outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, limited series, movie, or special Emmy for their work on the season two episode, If Memory Serves. Go Disco! We at Priority One would like to extend a heartfelt congratulations to all of the winners. Well deserved. How about Sonequa Martin-Green? That's great. Yeah, it's funny because throughout watching Star Trek, I always heard about the Saturn Awards and stuff. But it wasn't until recent years that I really understood they're kind of a big deal in the sci-fi and fantasy and horror genres. And to have Star Trek have such a presence there, you know, year after year, and, and, and when our favorite Star Trek series are hitting their strides to be able to take home some of those awards is, is pretty amazing. And and the thing that's most important here is that one of our favorite shows and favorite franchises is getting recognition. And I think that's going to make headlines outside of the Trek sphere, right? And and it's really shining a light, um, you know, outside of the fan base. And that's that's what's really cool. Absolutely, and it's really great to see Doug Jones getting some recognition because, I mean, he every role he does is so amazing, and, you know, a lot of his roles, they don't get recognized because he's the character. Absolutely. I'm probably the most happy for him because he is so good. Saru quickly became one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek, and I'm really glad that uh, he got recognized. On Thursday, September 12th, CBS Chief Creative Officer David Nevins addressed attendees of the Bank of America Merrill Lynch Communications and Entertainment Conference in L.A., and he had some things to say about Star Trek. Nevins spoke about the soon-merged Viacom CBS and its goal to nurture and cultivate our favorite IP. Quote, What we're trying to do now with Star Trek is build that brand. We want it to get younger and more relevant to people. End quote. Nevins continued, mentioning that emerged Viacom CBS could, quote, create this virtuous ecosystem between all of those platforms. If you're smart about it, you can create a lot of value, end quote. For a link to the Variety Recap, check out the link in our show notes. So this is something that I didn't get to comment on about the merger mm-hmm. and about the potentials and things. And one thing that I don't hear people talking about and that I think needs to happen and I think needs to happen before they cultivate younger Star Trek is I want to see a Star Trek Avengers movie. I want to see the Avengers of the Star Trek universe. I want to see Picard, Janeway, Cisco, Kira, Bashir, Archer. I want to see them bring together an all-star cast and celebrate the 50-plus years of Star Trek history in one movie or in two movies like they did with Avengers. And I think they can do it. They've already built this massive franchise. Yeah, Marvel's been doing it for 20 years, but Star Trek's been doing it for 50 years. 
And I think now is the time. They have all the rights and under one roof. Let's put it, let's celebrate the history of the franchise. And then I think we as fans can feel okay moving in any direction they want to go. Okay, like tie it all together. I just mean some some movie like like Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame where or mostly Avengers Endgame where they celebrate the 20 year history in in one movie basically. I want to see them bring in a cast of characters from all of the Star Trek series and bring them together for one story, one mission, one epic battle in Star Trek style and make it be a celebratory event. They would make money. That's a money maker right there. Because everybody would go see it. Yeah, no, I'm like, I totally would be on board with that. I mean, I'm trying to think of something that could tie it all together, but... Let them figure that out. (laughs) Just leave it up to them. Yeah, bring in Chris Pine. Bring in Chris Pine. Bring it, and just spend the money. Just get the actors, spend the money, because they will make a billion dollars. That's how they jumpstart this franchise in the theaters. Instead of building up to an Avengers-style movie, they just bang. They've already done it for 50 years. I mean, Star Trek created the shared universe. You know, between movies and television shows. They've already done the work. Now they just need to reap the rewards. That leads us to our community question this week. Do you think Star Trek needs to get younger? Why or why not? So, Picard has wrapped principal shooting, and Michael Dorn wants to be Worf again. The obvious question, is Michael Dorn making an appearance on Star Trek Picard's first season? An eagle-eyed fan thought so. On September 7th, Picard cinematographer Philip Lanyon posted a photo of a signed clapboard on his Instagram page saying, quote, That's a wrap. Thank you, Jamie Fells, for organizing the amazing, one-of-a-kind gift, a signed slate from the cast of Picard, including some of the original TNG cast. Sir Patrick Stewart, you are a true legend and inspiration to us all. Your hard work and dedication to bring something new to the screen is moving. I'm sure it will give Star Trek fans, old and new, something not only entertaining, but also thought-provoking and insightful to enjoy, in true Star Trek fashion. Hashtag make it so, hashtag Star Trek, hashtag Picard, blah, blah, blah. End quote. The aforementioned eagle-eyed fan Alex at Alex Trek retweeted the photo on the clapboard to Twitter identifying several signatures. Then Alex found one that looked curiously like Michael Dorn's. The slate is posted next to a photo of Worf signed by Dorn, and they look very similar. But if you were hoping for confirmation from Dorn or CBS, keep hoping. Quote, a representative for Picard Producers, CBS Television Studios, confirmed to Newsweek that Michael Dorn is not appearing in Picard, citing a conversation with the casting team, end quote. John Harrison... For a link to the Newsweek article, which has the aforementioned social media bits, check out our show notes. So do you think Michael Dorn's going to be credited as Frau? Worf spelled backwards. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, if anyone was pushing for Worf to make a return, it's been Michael Dorn. So he could have spoken to them directly. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I... You know, I, I don't think he's in the first season. It would be great. I, I would actually like to see a Worf series. I mean, but, I, you know, to be honest, I'll watch anything Star Trek. I know, right? I'd, I'd watch a Worf series for sure. I'm re-watching TNG season one right now, so obviously I can, I can watch the worst of it. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Whether you thought Star Trek Nemesis should be hauling garbage or you thought that it should be hauled away as garbage, one thing is certain, Tom Hardy was in the movie. It's not much, but it's true. Or is it? 
YouTube has our heads spinning. On September 7th, Deepfake's YouTuber Deep Homage posted the scene from Star Trek Nemesis in which Tom Hardy's Shinzon reveals to Sir Patrick's Picard that he is a clone of the decorated Starfleet captain. The YouTube video starts as it does in the theatrical release, Shinzon, face obscured by the shadows, monologues at the crew of the Enterprise. The lights are ordered up and the surprised crew lays their eyes upon Patrick Stewart? The fake, which swaps out the young actor's face for that of Patrick Stewart's, is very well done and is slightly haunting in that Tom Hardy's voice is coming from Stewart's mouth. To check out the video, follow our link in the show notes. Did you see this video? I did. It creeped me out. First off, uh, I mean, Star Trek Nemesis obviously is, you know, I, I, you know. It's not my least favorite. Really? Like of the TNG movies, it's not your least favorite? No. What's your least favorite? Um, what's the one with the people on that planet they're trying to say? Insurrection? Yeah, that one. That one's terrible. Uh, I, I think Insurrection's like, like about, I don't know. Easy beatsy bit better. Mm. I mean, not much. I could certainly see how they could tie for last place, but yeah. I mean, come on. I, I don't know. I mean, I thought the graphic or the you know the sets and everything were cooler with the Romulan stuff. Yeah, it was great. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tom Hardy was a great actor back then and is still a great actor. I, I actually liked this video, and I I wouldn't mind seeing more of this kind of thing. I thought he needed to look a little younger. But I thought it looked, it was pretty convincing. And I I think what creeped me out about it was the fact that it looked so believable. And Patrick Stewart's face was being an evil Romulan, you know, Shinzon. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was creepy. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> um, but it was really well done. Very seamless. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Captains, playing Star Trek Online is one of the most amazing things a Star Trek fan can do. Being able to create your own captain, to fly through the galaxy, battle your enemies, and explore the Star Trek universe. And now the only thing better is to be able to take a piece of that world out of the video game and place it on your shelf. With Mixed Dimensions, you can choose one of your starships from in-game customize it however you want and print it in 3D to display on your shelf with all of your other Star Trek memorabilia. I have one of these ships myself. I got the NX Refit class because that's a ship that's pretty unique and isn't found just anywhere. And not only that, but it's the ship that I fly in game. It's something that I've created memories with, with my captain that I've had for almost 10 years now. And Captains, you too can bring your own personalized Starship home. Even if you don't play Star Trek Online, you can browse the website at Mixed Dimensions, choose a Starship, customize it with whatever registry number you want and whatever ship title you want, and bring it home to you. Kat, I know you've been thinking about getting one of your own ships. Have you made a decision yet on what you're going to get? No. I've got, like, so many options because I have 37 characters <laughs> but not all of them have a different ship but there's some special ships you know I love the temporal ships so um, but I also love you know my D4X and my K and my D7 those are amazing I'd probably go with a 
I don't know, but shouldn't you go with a bird of prey or something first? I just, there's too many choices. I mean, I guess I could just start picking. I just don't know. <laughs> and that's something to remember also, is that it's just not Federation ships. When you think about Star Trek Online, oftentimes you think of the Federation starships, but you can also get Klingon ships, Romulan ships. I've even seen pictures of a 3D printed Narada from Star Trek Online with customized shields and it looks gorgeous. And the detail they put into these and you can get them in a variety of sizes. And as a special treat for Priority One listeners, you can save 20% off your order just by using the coupon code PRIORITY20. That's PRIORITY20 at checkout. So remember captains, making the decision is hard, but saving the money is easy. Visit the Mixed Dimensions website and at checkout use the coupon code PRIORITY20 to save 20% and start building your fleet today. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, Star Trek Online Awakening has arrived on PC. And while we gave you our initial thoughts last week, we wanted to dive in a little deeper and discuss all of the new content. Let's start with the new mission episode, Beneath the Skin. With Ja'ula and the forces of House Mokai weaponizing classified spore technology, you must resurrect the best astromycologist in the form of a hologram to help combat them. With a shiny new photonic Paul Stamets in tow, you head into the mycelial realm to stop Jula from harvesting more spores. While in there, you need the help of something more than just a database of Stamets' research and logs. With the help of the Josep, you combine the memories of the real Paul Stamets with the technology of the mobile holographic emitter. After fending off some crazed Alachi and luring some friendly tardigrades to a spore tea party, you're able to eventually deactivate Jula's harvesting probes and close the mycelial rift. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was I was a little worried because when when Jesse Heinig described the plot of the episode at STLV, I was like, man, that's a lot of like substance to to put in such a short like episode. Uh, the whole thing about you know, what is it to be real? What is it to be a person? You know, the memories versus, you know, things. And I was a little concerned that they were going to have a hard time making it flow in, like, a Star Trek Online mission. Because in other missions I've experienced, and I felt this a little bit in um, uh, the Landry episode, was I felt like the emotional journey that you're supposed to take was kind of crammed into the the game mechanic of the mission. And and interesting because the more I played that mission, the less I felt that way. I actually felt it kind of flowed okay, but initially I was I thought it was a little clunky. And this one I felt the opposite. I actually felt like it played rather smoothly. I felt like the emotional part of it, I was able to take that journey without being too concerned with oh, I got to switch gears and do this and switch gears and do that. I felt like it it flowed really well and and I really enjoyed the story and the plot of it. And, uh, and, and I thought Anthony Rapp did amazing. I thought it was really good, really on point. And I also, and the, you know, the, um, the, the environment was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was, it almost stole the show for me. It, it was so 
spot on and so gorgeous and those little those little like you know spore rides you would take between the little islands i was like wow this is cool man like this it is really great. cool it was great every time i was dizzy though i was like this is this good and i never I, I still pl- when i replay the episode i don't want to skip the cut i don't want to skip the scenes cuz they're so good so i watched you know i it, it all flows together so it doesn't really feel like your gameplay is really that interrupted i'm not in a hurry to to get through it to the next part i really enjoyed the episode I, I I really liked the um, the whole tardigrade thing too. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta lure the tardigrade over to eat the thing, and then you gotta deactivate. And he it. has I a little heart well on him. That's so yep, cute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was I, I I thought it was a good solid episode, and uh, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. So let's move on to uh, they also released a TFO entitled the Mycelial Realm, and so this basically is just the ground part of beneath the skin but there's also uh there's a tri-boss fight at the end there's like three bosses you gotta fight three alachi captains which is cool but at first i was a little disappointed that it was just the part of the like basically the mission but then i was okay because i was like oh i know what i know what to do like I didn't, there was no learning curve because I'd already played the mission and I was like, all right, cool. I know what to do. However, I will just say this, that if you're doing an event and one of the features of the event is, hey, you have your choice of how to play to get the coupons for the big prize. Like you can choose. It's like a la carte, right? But two of those options are the same thing. Like that just, uh, like like to play beneath the skin and then or or to play the TFO like it's basically the same thing you're do, you're literally doing the same thing but you're getting less you know less reward for one although it's quicker which is one thing but i just i i i feel slightly cheated that the mission and the TFO are basically the same thing and 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 they're billing it as oh you get to choose whichever you want and it's like well i mean not really well yes you have a point but you know with the tfo you get marks and with the mission you don't get marks but you get the mission rewards and no but i'm talking specifically about the mycelial crisis event like the event where you can you can get the the progression towards the alachi ship so there's three options you can do the mission you can do the tfo or you can do you know anywhere between two and four patrols or one and four patrols, depending on what else you do. But yet two of those options are the same thing in my, in my opinion. Yeah. But for different rewards and for different, yeah, I guess they don't last as long. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but yeah, I see what you're saying. It's kind of, it's basically the same. <laughs> uh, so do you, do you like the, do you like that portion of that mission as a, as a TFO with the added boss fight at the end? Yeah, I do. I, I It goes quickly. Everyone seems to know what to do. You know, you do the console things at the end, and then it's over. It's it's nice. You know, you get it done. Although I do miss the skipping from place to place, the, the animation. I really like that. Why, if they were going to keep something in there, they should have kept that. Yeah, that would have been cool. I do like, because uh, I run engineers, so I do like the fact that my cover shield is actually useful in this in this oh, TFO. Oh yeah, I don't normally play engineers, but yeah. Because when the tardigrade is finished eating the stuff away, 
uh, the Alachi are, are attacking me while I'm trying to, you know, like like uh, deactivate the harvester. So I throw up the cover shield and block it so I can deactivate it. Because as soon as you deactivate all the things, you can jump to the next thing. You don't have to worry about fighting the Alachi. So yeah, I just put my little crystals down, and they help they defend me while I'm doing that too. So yeah. I also run that. I forget what it is. Some kind of spike. Uh, oh, the crystalline spike. I maybe it is. It's the one that basically pulls aggro. Oh, that's something else. Interphasic inter uh, graviton spike. Something like that. It's not the gra- the graviton spike pulls people in. This one actually like makes it so that they attack it. And I usually because what I like to do is I like to throw that out. I like to pull the aggro over there, and then I set up all my toys, my shield, my you know my um, my shield generator, my my uh, phaser turret, my dome like i set everything up and then i can start attacking stuff once they stop attacking that uh that spike yeah what do you think about the patrols then yeah so the the patrols let's start with uh the ninth rule because everybody loves damon madron because uh he's kind of the he's kind of the you know the ferengi in the game uh so in the in this uh, so the the patrols are if you know way back in the day uh, and this is going way back. I don't know. When did you start playing? 2014. 2014. Okay. I started playing in 2010. So the patrols used to be that they were in the story journal. And basically it was you would hit a, a mission and it was like, do four patrols in this sector. So you'd have to go to these four four planets and do these quick. You're in. You, you fight five groups of enemies and, you, and you're out. Uh, or you're in. You scan five things. You're out. I mean, those were the patrols when they originally released. Then as more story content came out, uh, they moved patrols to sort of these discoverable missions where they weren't in your main journal. However, they were uh, things that you could stumble upon in the game. And they were big in the Romulan sector because they gave, uh, I think there was a patrol mission where you got marks, you got Romulan marks. And so that was cool. I like the fact that you could stumble upon them, you know, because one mainstay in MMOs is like, you know, being rewarded for exploration, going off the beaten path and things like that. So now they've moved patrols, or at least it looks like they're beginning to move patrols to this quick little clickable, you go from wherever you are and jump into it. Now they haven't taken away the option where you can just stumble upon them in sector space which is cool because i really like that idea but now it's much more quicker to get in and out and they've updated uh they've created uh five new patrols to release with this event and i i think they're gonna either go back and redo some or they're gonna basically throw the 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 current patrols into this kind of thing maybe do a little reworking of them but overall i like the the refresh on the patrol idea I did have some concerns about taking away that exploration aspect of it, like stumbling upon them. But I understand. But I like the idea of, of, of grouping them in with the event, right? So uh, the, the first one that we will talk about is the ninth rule. And it is Damon Madrin is at it again. Uh, this time he's trying to steal spores for black market sales. And basically you jump in. Madron is there and you go over and then whoever he was going to sell the spores to is mad and comes and attacks and so you got to fight them uh, and I think you end up fighting three or four maybe five groups of bad guys and they're somewhat random too because I jumped in at one point and they were Nausicans and then I jumped in to it uh, the next day and they were Gorn 
and the dialogue even changed, which I thought was really cool. Huh, I haven't noticed that, but yeah, I like that one. That one's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, you know, there's not much to say because they're, you know, they're pretty, the patrols, they're pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> pretty quick missions. Uh, the next one is within the Briars, uh, which is you are defending spore colonies against House Mokai forces in the dangerous Briar Patch, which, by the way, is one of my favorite maps in the, in the entire game. Yeah, I don't know that I've played that one yet. Oh, so you're familiar with the Briar Patch, mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah. So in here, basically, there are locations within the Briar Patch where there are spore spore colonies, and you travel to them, and then House Mokai forces show up, and you got to battle them. But you're in the Briar Patch, so you're surrounded by Metreon gas, which you know, as you know, explodes if you fire too close to it or at it. I I love that sort of extra aspect of it, so I really enjoy this patrol. And one thing I like to do is I, what's the what's the Fakiri speed ship that came with the, it came with the chains that you could shoot out and lock onto ships. Oh, the, it was the, the it was the holiday the 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 Winter Wonderland ship like yeah. a year or two ago. I can't remember the name of it, but I know what you mean. So I have that I have that console on my uh, on my Klingon my my main Klingon ship. And so what I actually will do is I will grab as many enemies as I can with that. I I hit full impulse, shoot through the clouds, which when I do full impulse, it shoots a plasma burst out my engines and does damage to whatever I'm pulling. Plus the chains, you know, shoot fire back. So I pull them through the clouds and then right before their ships go through the clouds, I target the clouds and fire. And blow the clouds <laughs> up around the ships, and it ends up taking out just about every one of them. So wow, that's um, pretty amazing. Yeah, like being able to do that in the game and in the Briar Patch is pretty cool, and um, and uh, and it's uh, it's it's really cool. So I I I usually will do this uh, if I need to get the event reward tokens. I will almost always run this one on my Klingon. Uh, because I really enjoy it. So, um, so the next one is uh, rescue and search. And you, uh, when you jump into this one, you assist a fleet of Lucari from some Mokai attackers. So, um, have you gotten a chance to play this one, where you come I to the? I feel like I did, but I've only played these a couple of times. And art, do you find that because they're so similar, and the fact that you jump in and basically like blow up five groups and then jump out, like they're they kind of they kind of meld together? Yeah, there's not too much distinction except if you're in the briar patch and you know there's metreon gas. But seems like yeah, you go into the place, kill some peoples, and then you're good. And there's just enough like story dialogue to make it feel like you know you're you you're you're doing something. You know, yeah, like well, it feels like a, a continuation story. of the mission, too. So hopefully you've played that before you do these. But I think they'd stand on their own. You get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I like this one because it brought uh, Captain Kumarke back. And she's, she's you know, she's in my opinion, she's probably the best character that Star Trek Online has created. I think so. I really like her. I mean, well, I like some of the other characters, too. What about... Madron, Madron, whatever you guys want to call him. <laughs> He's funny. He's funny, but I wouldn't want to go on a mission with him. Like, I love that mission. Um, I forget if it's Sunrise or it's the one Echoes where... Echoes of Light, where you Echoes, go Yeah, yeah, where you go with Kumarke and you, you, find, you see the... Um, Sindarians. 
Yeah. Is are those the aliens from Farpoint from the yeah. episode? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that I love that mission. Like not only do you get great rewards, I think that's the one where you get the disruptor set, but uh but that's such a great mission. Like that's one of my favorite missions in the whole game. I do like that mission too. Uh next one is Ruins of Doom and uh Mokai Mo Problems. You basically jump in, you're it's you're in the Amaga system, which is where the dooms, uh, the doomsday uh, uh, device exploded in that in that mission that you do earlier in the game, and uh, and what's cool is I like how they connected. I don't know if you've had a chance to play this, but in the mission uh, in Beneath the Skin, Stamets mentions uh, Harpang radiation and how it's affecting the spores. I did. So in this in this um, patrol, spores are growing on the. Uh, the harping damage from the the remnants of the doomsday device because remember you shoot the harping tor- well you used to shoot the harping torpedo do you still do that in the mission yeah you do you shoot the harping torpedo in it I right I think so honestly I haven't played that mission in so long because they get out it's an old no it's still in there isn't it yeah it's I think the guy the the Klingon that you're with ends up flying into the doomsday thing and blowing up but. You used to shoot the Harpang torpedo in it, which I think you still do. You have to weaken it. Uh, and then the last patrol is Sentinels, where you deploy satellites to defend a sport research station from raiders. And this one's kind of cool. Um, have you gotten a chance to play this one? I feel like I have done this one, and it's pretty good. Uh, or at least it's a little different than some of the others. Yeah, I like that it's different enough that you drop the you drop the satellites and then you kind of have to go back and forth between the uh, between them to defend them, which is kind of cool. It's a little bit of a change up on the you know defeat five groups of enemies, but but yeah, I mean overall, I enjoyed uh, the content update. I think that it rounds out the discovery content pretty well. And uh, are we getting another episode, or is that it? Do we know if that's if that's it? Uh, I am not sure. I feel like there should be another episode, but I'm not sure. But yeah, so overall, and I'm I'm enjoying the event too. I think that Alachi ship is pretty cool. I wish it came with some kind of a crab walking power. That's That'd like awesome. my favorite cutscene when the ship comes in, and oh my god, then the look on your face where you're standing with damage, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> it's so good. All right. Well, that uh, wraps up our uh, in-depth review of the new Star Trek Online Awakenings content. Uh, and now let's uh, mention a few STO events coming up. On PC, captains can expect a bonus marks weekend from now until September 23rd, a dilithium weekend from the 26th to the 30th, and an item upgrade weekend from October 3rd to the 7th. Console captains have the opportunity to grab some Phoenix prize packs from now until August 24th. We're assuming that this is a typo and probably means September 24th, but you can click on the link in the show notes for an updated blog post. Also this weekend, captains on console can gain additional experience during an XP bonus weekend, and next weekend is a junior officer weekend from September 26th to the 30th. Also, if you missed the Hearts and Minds replay event this past weekend for Friday the 13th, you can catch it again around Halloween, October 30th through November 1st. Get you that zombie dance emote. And that's on all platforms. Yeah, it should be. Well, 
To keep up to date on these and more upcoming in-game events, be sure to check out the in-game calendar under Contact Journal on PC or under the Missions tab in the Options menu on console. Alright, Armada news. We have some. This week in the Priority One Armada, we are very excited to announce that we have two new admirals, Admiral Nikki and Admiral Alex. We're so excited that they've joined the ranks, so we welcome both of them. If you are in-game, please be sure to say hi. Also, Alpha Colony upgrades are on cooldown, so keep contributing to those colonies. We are getting very close to some other upgrades on some of the other fleets, too, so well done, everyone. And now it's time for our weekly top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our weekly top tip. Combat pets can be very handy. It's always nice to have a few extra team members out there dealing damage. Encrusted Hordas, Ripping Tardigrades, Laser Dinos are just a few. And if you happen to have more than one, you can have an army of minions. Equip each of your boffs with its own combat pet, and the next time you beam into battle on the ground, you'll have an animal force Ace Ventura would be jealous of. If you're not sure where to find more combat pets, the Phoenix Prize Store has a few for uncommon tokens. That is true. They have the um, Dilithium Crusted Horda, the Mugatu on a leech. Isn't there an Acid Horda? Uh, there, there's an Acid Horda and a uh, and another one. Those, I think, are free for Federation captains in the sea store so that's something too is if you don't know that if you go to i think it's prom under promotions i think you get the those two one or two of those hordas for free and there's also a holographic drone combat pet uh in the phoenix prize uh, store oh and um actually uh uh stew 1701 is letting us know that those actually are consumable pets so they only have 10 uses a piece, the ones from the um, Phoenix Prize pack. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Well, all right then. In other gaming news, Anthony has a review of Star Trek Chrono Trek. Over the past year, Looney Labs has published Star Trek versions of its most popular game, Flux. Now, they've taken their love of Trek to the space-time continuum with a new card game, Star Trek Chrono Trek which is based on their previous time-traveling adventure, Chrononauts. In Chrono Trek, you take on the role of your favorite Star Trek character who's trapped in an alternate reality or who wants to make some adjustments to the current timeline. You must use iconic time-traveling technology to change events in the past, present, and future to preserve your own existence. The timeline is made up of a 36-card grid based on famous events in Star Trek lore. Some of these cards are linchpin events, which when changed will affect ripple point events. For instance, saving Edith Keeler from being killed in 1930 means the Allied forces lose World War II, the Apollo 8 mission never happens, and this is one of two linchpins that prevents the Federation from being founded. Players will use inverters, actions, tools, and artifact cards to attempt to change events in their favor. Completing assignment cards will also give you advantages throughout the game. However, beware, there is an anti-time anomaly in the Devron system growing backwards in time. When it reaches primordial Earth and prevents life from evolving, the game is over and everyone loses. That is, unless you are playing as Q. 
The game features 32 characters from every Star Trek time travel episode or story, each with their own time event goals, including the animated series episode Yesteryear. There's even a younger Janeway and an older Janeway from the Voyager series finale Endgame. The characters are split up into four levels of difficulty, so it's easy for veterans and cadets of Chrono Trek to play together. And if you're familiar with Flux, you can expect a small amount of chaos in this game as well. But once you understand the cause and effect style of game mechanics, the fun really begins. And even though some of the characters' goals don't quite make sense, it is fun to travel through the Star Trek timeline, visiting famous events and changing Trek history. I actually found it more fun to play as villains in this game, like Arn Darvin or the Zindi. As with Star Trek Flux, just playing in this universe is its own reward. This fun, whimsical tabletop game set in the Star Trek universe will add to the diversity of anyone's board game collection. Star Trek Chrono Trek is for two to six players, suggested age range of 11 years and up, plays in about 15 to 45 minutes, and has a suggested retail price of $25. So Kat, have you gotten a chance to play any any Star Trek board games? No, I have not. How does this one sound, being able to travel through the Star Trek timeline and, and change events? It sounds pretty... I mean, it sounds interesting. I just am really not good at these types of games. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I've, I have, I actually have a Back to the Future version of this game, which is a lot of fun. This one kind of kicks it up a notch because having... The coolest thing about it is the, the time anomaly, which there are, there are cards uh, that you shuffle into the deck that are event cards, and when you, when you reveal them... They, they cause the, the time anomaly to grow backwards in time, which is pretty cool. And what's cool is that you can play as Q, and your, your only win condition is that the, the time anomaly stops humans from evolving. And so I thought that's pretty cool. There's also fracture cards, which will split the timeline into an alternate reality. And basically what that means is that if you can fracture time at a specific point, if any other player needs to change an event beyond that point they can't win the game until they fix that time fracture and there are some characters like the zindi who want to fracture the timeline at a specific point and that's part of their win condition so yeah it's a really interesting game it's a little bit to kind of wrap your head around what you're doing and how you're doing it but once you do uh understand that it's really fun when you're like when you're older janeway and you're trying to destroy the borg like that's your job you know, whereas younger Janeway wants to get Voyager back home. So it's it's cool because you're you're each player is changing time in a different way and stuff and, and because you know these events from episodes and whatnot, it's uh it's a lot of fun, just that experience of doing it. So I, I, I highly recommend it if anybody likes uh, board games or Star Trek uh, tabletop games. Um, this is a this is a small box. Uh, it's actually on my shelf right back there, and um, uh, it's uh, it can be a lot of fun, and and you can play a lot of players. You can play up to I think eight, uh, oh up to six players in this. So that's uh, that's a good number. That's it for this week in gaming news. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week's first community question was, has Star Trek inspired your career? If so, how? 
From Facebook, Eric Scott writes, Well, my last name is Scott, and I'm a software engineer. Does that count? Star Trek and science fiction in general did influence me towards learning about computers and technology and wanting to work in a technology-focused career. That's really cool. I wonder if anybody, like, yells down to his office and says, says, Scott, I need more power! I was like, do you talk to your mouse? Computer. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, computer. (sighs) I'll just use the keyboard. How quaint. From Twitter, Alfred Green, when I joined the Navy and gotten out of boot camp in A school, I was given a list of ships to choose from. I went to the USS Constellation because the Doomsday Machine was my favorite episode of the original series. Awesome. That's cool. That's very cool. I know a lot of um, uh, Navy uh, Navy members and uh, Navy veterans who are big Star Trek fans because of how similar the you know the the command structure is between the Navy and Star Trek, and I think that's really cool. And I've even met some people who were stationed on the Enterprise, the actual Enterprise aircraft carrier. Oh wow! And, uh, and who are Star Trek fans, and how cool that experience was. So. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And Alfred, thank you for your service also. Absolutely. Also from Twitter, Doonbat writes, As I was a young bat, I saw an episode of LeVar Burton's Reading Rainbow featuring a behind-the-scenes look at the making of Star Trek The Next Generation. At that moment, I knew I wanted to be in TV film production, been in TV news production for 20 years now. Yeah, that's really awesome. Actually, I'm very familiar with that episode of uh, Reading Rainbow because I've sh- I've shown it to my kids uh, recently within the last year. And um, and if anybody else hasn't seen that episode, it's really cool. You should check it out. I think he visits the set during either season one or season two, yeah, and they early. basically show you how they make an episode of of Star Trek. It's awesome. Very cool. The second community question last week was, are you surprised to see Kelvin Timeline items make a return to Star Trek Online? What would you like to have from the new lockbox? From Twitter, Drogan1701 says, Not really. There was a lot more stuff than was in the original box, so I figured they'd get to it eventually. The CBS Viacom merger may or may not have made that easier. I don't know. I already have the Kelvin, but I would like that D7. Join the club, Drogan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, all. officially, the, the merger really didn't have anything to do with this. Um, I mean, number one, because this stuff was in the works way before that. And yeah, number, they already had permission yeah. and licensing yeah. for all this stuff. Also from Twitter, Duncan Idaho 11 says, I saw the STLV trailer, so not as such. Standout is definitely the survival uniform. I got two. The survival uniform is cool. I really like the the Kelvin itself, like that ship. Like I, I may have to save up and try to get that ship because I, I really like the look of it. A couple of listeners also took the opportunity to mention a few Kelvin timeline items they're still hoping to see in game someday. From Twitter, Pax Federatica says, I want a T6 Franklin. I envision it as a true pilot science vessel as opposed to the science pilot escort that's already available. Alas, that's still not in either the lockbox or the lobby store. For some, why am I thinking that they tease that for the 10th anniversary? I've been hearing about a T6 Frank. Maybe people just keep saying they want it, or I don't know. 
for some reason I like I have the feeling there's some like impression that it's coming up. Maybe I'm just like within the oh oh we're getting word that it it may have actually been in the STLV trailer that they showed. So so yeah I I think it's coming. I'm sure it's coming because I mean as Al always says every Star Trek ship will you know their goal is to have every Star Trek ship in the game and that includes the Kelvin timeline. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the Franklin. I I wish they would have just used the NX class. Also from Twitter, Sam Ronan says, just a couple of Kelvin things I would like to see. More varieties of the rifle. I'm all for full auto or heavy beam, but have only ever seen sniper versions. A skin option for the Kelvin Connie that resembles the briefly glimpsed 1701A. Also variations on the saucer impulse cluster. Yeah, it would be pretty cool if they put a variant um, from the ship that we saw briefly at the end of Star Trek Beyond. Um, the the 1701A. So that would be cool. Mm-hmm. I like the varieties of the rifle. I love that rifle. That's really cool. I do have a Jayla character in game, and I had to get that for her. And uh, yeah, I've been using it. It's pretty cool. Electrical damage. I may have to grab that uh, that weapon for my. Um, I have a discovery character that's a melee. But every I, oh. I, I have I find some I find sometimes I need I need to do a sh- you know a long shot so mm-hmm. it, that might be cool to have that to be able to do the melee stuff and then to take the shot if I need it. Yeah, I really like it so far. <laughs> the third where I'm like where what are you? Doing? Sorry, no. Stu seventeen oh one said if the Franklin doesn't have a console that deals damage by playing the Beastie Boys, he'll be very disappointed. Now that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be the common song they use in all those movies, right? So the third community question last week was, what did you enjoy most about Star Trek Online's Awakening content? From Facebook, Eric Scott writes, For Awakenings, I liked the voiceover work by Anthony Rapp, and also the cutscenes where you move from one mycelial node to another, almost like being on a roller coaster. Agreed. Agreed. From Twitter, Duncan Idaho 11, the field of baby lieutenant tardigrades. Yes, because they're so cute. That was my tardigrade that I got in the ab- adoption agency. Lieutenant? Yep, as a lieutenant. I got, one, so. uh, I got Artie. Or no, I got Smarty. I bought Artie. Oh. <laughs> well, that wraps up episode 430 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcast.roddenberry.com for a complete list, then be sure to subscribe to them all. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. Before we go, here's our community question for this week. Do you think Star Trek needs to get younger? Why or why not? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. 
And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada. Saturday night, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all SCO players, new and old. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. And don't forget, this Saturday, we're having Red Shirt Night, so tune in. I'll be there. Yay! This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, Roscoe McQueen, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show. Thanks to our community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue, no. Engage. So, there are other ways that you can help. One of the best ways you can show your support for this podcast is to share it. <laughs> you okay? Yes. Okay. That fly. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Remi- after we record this, I have a story about bugs. Oh, no, I don't know if I want to hear it. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show. Thanks to our community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist. Thank. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Wait. Radio. Trek Radio. 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 Thanks. Good lord. We at Priority One would like to extend a heartfelt congratulations to all of the winners. Well deserved.
So exciting. Am I on mute? Oh. No, you're good. Sorry. <laughs> I just hadn't finished. Right. So. And I think that's going to make headlines outside of the Trek sphere of just the fans. And <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I think that's going to. Sh- I forgot what I was saying. That really, that really threw <laughs> me for a loop. I'm like, somebody's outside, so yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. This is feedback, Anthony. Sync one. Feedback. This is Cat. Sync two. Feedback in three, two. Also from Twitter, Dune Bat writes: As a young bat, I. <laughs> oh my god (sighs) of course at that moment I knew I wanted to be in I um uh I saw the STLV trailer so not as much so not as such so something brunch (laughs) Well, one of our Armada members won two in a row. Uh, can you give me the name of those mm. that Armada members? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I bet he opened both. A <laughs> lucky guy. Um, let's see, where are we? A couple of listeners also took the opportunity to mention a few Kelvin timelines items they're still hoping to see in-game someday. You can just say right? timeline. Just say timeline. Oh, I thought it was something else. Okay, never mind. From Twitter, Pax Federatica. Pax Feder... Yeah, oh man. Turns out your bridge officers also know how to wrangle your pets. Equip... 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 <laughs> Words. <laughs> Equip. Let's try that again. Podcast.roddenberry.com the Roddenberry Podcast Network.